Rock City, somebody make some noise like you're glad to be in church today. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Make some noise for Jesus today. Come on. Welcome, glad you're here. Hilliard, Westerville, Short North, every guest walking through our doors. It is an absolute honor to serve you and to all the men and women joining us from not one but two correctional facilities. Come on, put your hands together. Welcome. Glad you're here. Just got back from a youth conference in Birmingham, Alabama in an arena with 15,280 students worshiping Jesus. The most incredible experience. I know we talk a lot about culture and a lot about the world we're living in. And there's a lot of darkness in the world, but there's a lot of light. And I I walked away this week, my, both my girls were there. I took my youngest daughter, she was with me because she's not quite old enough to be at a youth conference, but, but she is when she's with her dad. And so we were there and then we had an incredible uh, showing from Rock City Youth there. And I walked away just feeling like, you know what? Our generation is in good hands. Come on, somebody. Our generation is in good hands. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a parent, uh, grandparent, if you've got kids in your house, youth in your house, junior high, high school, kids in your house, middle school, listen, when they're in your house, you make the decisions for them that really matter. Don't let them be all like parent-like. They're not parents yet. They don't get to be the boss. You just be the boss. If you have a kid that you've been struggling with, just, just make them come to church. Just bring them. Just drop them off. We, we have some incredible leaders in this house. I'm telling you, the kids of Rock City Church, they're in good hands. We have three full-time youth pastors in our church, and we have an incredible leadership team of youth leaders. And uh, if you bring your kids to church, even if they don't want to, I believe that once they walk through these doors and they encounter the team that we've got and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, listen, he's going to do something in them, and there's going to be a fire lit inside their belly. So come on, can we one more time just put our hands together for Jesus? Come on, who's leading a generation, willing to follow him? We're in good hands. I think we've got the best youth ministry on the planet, so thank you to all of our teams that do that, and just what an incredible couple days that I've had. I'm tired, though, because um, I've, been, I've been sleeping in a hotel with a kid, and um, I've been around stinky kids, like, for the whole week, and... <laughs> The conference life is like morning tonight, so um, I, I need some prayers today just so I don't pass out. Um, but anyway, we're, we're in the book of Jonah, and if you have your Bible, turn to Jonah chapter 2. This is the second week of the series, Jonah chapter 2. It's 15 pages to the left of where the New Testament begins. If you're looking for it, it's right you know, book of Matthew, New Testament, rewind, 15 pages to the left. You'll find the book of Jonah. Four chapters in this book, and we're taking one week for each chapter. So this is week two, chapter two. And uh, we're going to read from the second chapter together. And um, just, just want to, before we do, say last week we covered some ground. And uh, chapter one was really encouraging and challenging. And I would, I would encourage you, if you missed last week, make sure you go online and you, you download that message or you watch it. Take notes because God spoke some powerful things through week one. We started with Jonah, whose name means dove, and that might not sound like a great name to, to you, especially some, some, some of the men, like, like why can't my name be, mean something better than dove? But, but when you understand what, what, what the dove represents, the dove represents the covenant of God, the dove represents the spirit of God, the peace of God, the presence of God. 
His father's name, Amittai, means truth. So, so just at the very beginning of this book, we've got Jonah, son of truth, sent by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to a people who are hostile to God. And God says, I want you to preach truth to people who are against me. I, I want you to preach an unpopular message to a hostile people. I want you to go and tell them the truth today. And Jonah's like, but Lord, you must not know them. I'm not going to them. No, no, no. I, I'm coming up with something different. Jonah, God says, go. Jonah says, no, thank you. Because what happens is when God speaks, a lot of times when God speaks, he, he's going to tell you to do something you don't want to do, at least not right away. And the reason you're not going to want to do it is because, listen, sometimes we think we know better than God. Sometimes we think that our plan is better than God's plan. And yet God loves you. God's plan is for you. And God's plan is better than your plan. God's plan for me is better than my plan for me. And he wants to lead you. And he wants to lead you well. And he's going to lead you well. He's going to lead you right. But sometimes we've got to submit what we want in the moment for what God truly desires for us. So there are times when he's going to ask you to do things you don't want to do. That's what we see in Jonah. God says, go east, and he says, no, nah, I'm going to go west. I, I don't want to be in this mess. And, and then what happens is God sends a storm. And a lot of times, God will send storms. He doesn't, he doesn't cause every storm, but sometimes God will cause a storm in your life to get your attention, just like he does with Jonah. And when it comes to following Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He talks about a wide road, a wide path, and a, and a narrow path. He says, the crowd's on the wide path, the, the narrow path, that's for you. That's what leads to life. But you're going to have to follow that path. Just remember that there will always be a ship headed in the wrong direction, and there will always be room on that ship for you. Like there's a lot of friendly, there are a lot of friendly people that, that will give you bad advice in life. There are a lot of friendly people who are not following the way of God this side of heaven. And so you can follow some friendly people and end up dying and, 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 and basically being inside the belly of a whale forever and ever because that's what hell is going to feel like. You're in the belly of a whale. You can't get out. You're separated from God. And that is not God's plan for you. It's not God's plan for this world. Come on, somebody. Anybody, anybody with me today? Anybody? There's a lot of paths that we can follow. It's just there's only one path that when you follow the one path that Jesus lays out for you, that's the, that's the one path that leads to life. I heard a pastor say this week, he said, you know, people think like Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. It's like, like why you got to be so strict? He goes, he's not being strict. He's just being specific. Just like if I wanted to give you directions to my house, I'd have to lay it out for you. Here's my address. Make sure you type it in right. Why? So when you put it in your GPS, you end up in the right place. I'm going to be specific if I, want to, if I want you to meet me at my house. If you want to bring somebody to church, where is it at? Let me give you the address. Let me be specific. Don't want you showing up in the wrong place. Jesus is just being specific. You want to get to heaven, it's through him. You want to be saved, you better call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. He, he, he loves you. So he's not messing around. He's not playing hard to find. <laughs> he's being specific. And then the last, the last point from last week is that sometimes our worst nightmare is exactly what we need to happen. Like Jonah's worst nightmare was actually the one thing that he needed. And I'm telling you, his worst nightmare, when he said, throw me overboard, he's thinking, because God's going to send something to help me float. 
I'm going to be able to swim back to shore. Like, I'm, I'm making it out of this thing somehow alive. Jonah's not thinking, throw me overboard so I can get swallowed by a fish, so I can get eat up. Like, Jonah's not thinking that. But what happens is Jonah's worst nightmare comes true, and God begins to speak to Jonah, and Jonah begins to speak to God in Jonah chapter 2. And here's where we pick up in the midst of this terrible, terrible moment in Jonah's life. It says this, from, the, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. You don't come back from the realm of the dead. Jonah's saying, there was no way out for me, but still I called upon the Lord. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. He, he's acknowledging even in the midst of the storm, God, you own the waves and the breakers, and you own everything. You, you're in control of all of it. I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters surround me. The deep waters surround me. Seaweed is wrapped around my head. It's how some of you feel today in your circumstance. It's like, I can't see. I feel like I'm stuck. I'm in the belly of a whale. There's no hope for me. There's not been help for a long time. I don't know who to call on. My marriage is broken. I can't see a way to fix it. My kids are wayward. I don't know how to bring them home. I've got some parent issues. I've, I've got some relational issues. I've got some health issues. I've got some financial woos. And I don't know how I can fix these things. And all I know is it feels like the storm of life is swirling around me. And I'm wondering in this moment, God, are you really for me? God, God, do you really, do you really care about what I'm going through? I've been banished from your sight. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. In my prayer, it rose to you, your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And then here's what happened. The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now we think that sounds nasty, but, but some of you, listen, some of you, you're, you're in such, such a terrible place right now and you feel like you've not had your feet, ben, your feet beneath you for some time that even if it does mean you're gonna smell like vomit, come on somebody, just vomit me out. Do whatever you need to do, God, just so I can stand again. Do whatever you need to do, God, just so I can walk again. I don't care how painful it's going to be. I don't care how hard it is, God. All I know is I don't want to stay where I am right now. So whatever you need to do, go ahead and do it, even if it means I smell like puke for a few minutes. Because that's better than this. So, Lord, thank you for your word. We just heard you speak. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and your presence here today. And God, I ask that your word would convict us, challenge us, comfort us, change us, and that you would speak to us like only you can. Every person, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Come on. Jonah. <laughs>
Jonah's writing out some prayers that he prayed while he's inside the belly of a fish. But, but I just want to go ahead and just let, let y'all know, he didn't write this out while he was in the belly of the fish. So if you're, like, confused about that, like, how are you going to be in the belly of a fish? And there's probably water in there. It's wet. And you, you somehow had a notepad and a pen. And, and you're in there writing. No, no. He, he gets out of the belly. He, he takes a shower so he doesn't smell like vomit. And then he, he decides, I need to record some of the conversation that I had with the Lord. Now, now that, 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 that's, that's some of the conversation, but I can guarantee you it wasn't all the conversation. Because you know you were saying some things to the Lord that, that, that the moment you find out, you know what, this might end up in the Bible. I better not tell everybody exactly what I said when I was getting swallowed by that fish. Like, like holy, where'd that ship go? I, <laughs> cussing. Cursing the Lord, yelling, why has it always got to happen to me? Come on, why do I got to be the one to be swallowed by the whale? Like, it's always me. Come on, God, can I get a break? Come on. Like, you were saying some things, you were praying some prayers, but, but decided, I'm, I'm going to write down a few of the words that I said. And some of the words that Jonah said, it's going to describe where some of you are today and maybe where some of you may be tomorrow. He said, from inside the fish I pray. In my distress I called to the Lord. From the realm of the dead I called for help. Now, last week we talked about this, that Jonah's known as the reluctant prophet because when God says go, Jonah says no. But I, I'm going to throw out something new. Maybe you've not heard this before, but I, I would say at least on the boat, Jonah becomes a prayerless prophet. Because if you, if you notice, when he's on the boat and the men on the boat say, how can we stop this? I know he says, hey, I serve the Lord my God and he's the one who made the seas. I know, he, I know he's pointing to God, but, but, but he's not asking anyone to pray with him. Like, how are we going to stop the storm, Jonah? He's not saying, okay, let's get on our knees and, and let's start to fast and pray. Let's ask God to calm these seas. He's not praying when he's on the boat. And I believe the reason he's not praying when he's on the boat is because not only has he given up on God, he's given up on himself. You see, Jonah's thinking to himself, there's no coming back from what I've just done. Because God just said go, and I straight up said no. God just said speak, and I said I'm not going to speak. I'm running from God. And I believe Jonah gets to the point in his life because he says, what is his response? He says, you know what? If you want to fix this, just just throw me overboard. Just be done with me. Why? Because God's done with me. Go ahead and throw me overboard. Why? Because I'm done with me. You you want to know why I'm done with me? Because I don't think there's any coming back from this. I don't see how God could ever use me again. I don't think God's ever going to want to use me again. I think this time I've run too far. I think this time I've been too disobedient. I think this time I've sinned too grievously for the Lord to redeem my life. And so he's thinking to himself, you might as well just cast me into the sea. I'm not even going to bother to pray to God because certainly he's given up on me. And it's not until he enters the belly of a fish where he decides, you know what, maybe I ought to rethink my situation. Because I'm not dead yet. Even though I'm in the depth of the dead, no one ought to come back from this. I'm not 
dead yet. Maybe I ought to rethink some, some things. I'm going to take you to another story in Mark chapter 4. It's a similar story. Jesus is in a boat. Jesus, the word. Jesus is in a boat with the disciples, and there's a storm, and Jesus is in the middle of it all. And the Bible says in Mark 4, 35, that when day became evening, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. He's, it's, it's Jesus' idea to get in the boat. It's Jesus' idea to go ahead and set sail. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. And then, then Matthew's gospel, when he records this conversation or this situation, he, he tell, tells us that out of nowhere and without warning, a storm came. But Mark just says, a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And you know what this feels like, right? It's like when you get the call and the person on the other end says, hey, you sitting down? Because you're going to want to sit down for this. It's when you, you show up to work and you think it's, it's, it's been your dream job and you, you think this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life, but you show up to work and what you didn't realize was the person you're working for decides it's, it's your last day at this job. Or maybe you, you make a bad move, bad business decision. You thought it was a good one until you made it, and then you realize it was a bad one, and, you, and it's like you're losing everything that you've invested, in, and your whole world's crashing down around you. And it's like things were good on Monday morning, but by Monday before lunchtime, a storm came up, a furious squall. It came out of nowhere. The waves are, are crashing against you, and the wind is howling around you. And in this moment, Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion because he's not that concerned. Listen, he, he's just not that, that, that worried about storms in life because he knows he's bigger than any storm in life. Come on, somebody. He's just not that scared of storms. He's not scared at all of storms. But the disciples ran to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, don't you care? We're about to drown. Like, you ever been there and maybe you've said this. I've said this at times when I've gone through things in life. I've, I've, I've said to the Lord, don't, don't you care? I'm a pastor. Come on, I've given my life for you. Come on, we're building a church together. How are you going to let this happen to my family? How are you going to let me walk through this again? Do you care? Are you for me? Anybody been there? Do you care? Do you see me? Can, can, I, can I get some help from you, Jesus? The disciples, they want to know, do you care? We're about to drown. And so what's he do? Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the waves, be quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it became completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified, not of, not of the storm anymore. Now they're just freaked out because who in the world are you? They say, who is this? And even the wind and the waves would obey him. See, now, now, now they see something about Jesus that they didn't see before. It was his idea to get in the boat. It was Jesus' idea, the one who can see the future. It was his idea to set sail that day, knowing there would be a storm on his way. See, I believe Jesus purposefully led the disciples into the storm so that he could reveal himself to them personally as the God of peace. Not as the God of chaos. He's not the God of chaos. He's the God of peace. 
Well, see, I believe it was Jesus' idea. I'm, I'm going to lead you into a storm so that I can lead you through the storm so that when you come out the other side of the storm, you're going you're to experience something about me. You're going to personally encounter the power of God. You're going to see me as the God of peace like you'd never see me if you hadn't gone through what you just went through. You're going to come out the other side in this, this personal encounter. Notice how, how Jesus calms the storm too. He speaks to the storm. It's the word. Going through a storm in life, can I tell you, the one thing you ought to be speaking over that storm is the word of God. You got some issues in your life, speak God's word over your issues. You got some fear about the future, find some promises in God's word when he talks about the future that he has for you, the plans that I have for you, and start speaking those, those words over your future. You, you worried about your health, start speaking the word of God over your health. You got some issues with your kids, let me tell you what to do with the kids. Start speaking the word over your kids. Let me encourage some moms and dads. Listen, go into the back of their closet. Start writing Bible verses on the walls. They'll never see them. They ain't back there. Crawl underneath their bed. Take a Sharpie and start declaring the word of God over your kids. Just put it under their bed. Every, every night they go to sleep, they're sleeping on the word of God. Don't even know it. Take some of the tags of their T-shirts and just... Just write little scripture references on those tags. Mom, what you doing? Don't worry about it. I'm claiming you for Jesus. You can run, but you can't hide. Speak the word. Because his word is the only thing with power to calm the storms of life. Jesus is the only one. Come on. Jesus is the only one with power. Calm the storm in your life, to calm the chaos in your life. Jonah begins to pray. He'd lost his prayer on the boat in the storm because he realizes I've just sinned against God and now I'm coming up against God and I can't win this thing. And so he, he's prayerless in that moment. He'd rather be cast into the sea than pray. But when he finds himself in the belly of the fish, there's a prayer that begins to reemerge in Jonah's life. And I just felt that I needed to speak prophetically over this church today that there's some of you, you've lost your prayer, but in Jesus' name, beginning today, there's a prayer that's about to reemerge on your lips. Come on, somebody. There's some words that you've not prayed in a long time. You've given up on God and you've given up on you. But there's some words that you used to, that you used to speak and you know those words used to reach the throne room of heaven and you're about to speak those things again in Jesus' name. There's some people in this church you've, you've never prayed before. But there's a prayer that's going to emerge from you beginning today. As you realize that, that we've got a good, good God, a strong God, that we can run to him with confidence no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstance. Jonah said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. He answered me. Who is the Lord? Isn't it interesting, even believers sometimes will say things like, uh, well, we've, we've tried everything that we can do. Now all we've got left to do is pray. All I can do now is pray. The only thing I can do now is pray. Tried everything. Do we ever, do, do we ever consider how insulting that must be for God to hear? 
All I got now is you, God, who formed every galaxy, every universe, put every star in the sky, everything that has been seen and everything that has not been seen is created by you. You hold it all together. You're both distant and near. You're omnipresent, which means you're all places, always, all the time, no matter what. Your presence is here right now. Your Holy Spirit surrounds us. And for the believers in the house, come on, the Holy Spirit of the living God is, he somehow dwells inside of us. Oh, but he's, he's my last resort. He's the only thing I got left is God. All I've got left to do is pray. Can we consider who it is we pray to? Can we consider who it is that holds the keys to our future? Can we consider how great he is, how strong he is? Jonah said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. That I even have the ability to call upon the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven and earth. That he would even take time to listen, to hear me out. That he would make it possible for me to approach him. See, some of you feel like, listen, the reason you've not been in church in a long time is you feel like, man, when I show up, the whole building's going to burn down. Like God's going to strike me dead. Because you've been afraid of God. Pastor's going to call me out, make me come up front. Like, like you're going to start telling me all my sins. Like you've been afraid of God. You've been running from him. But Here's what the Bible says. Let us approach the throne of his grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace and the power and the help that we need no matter what it is that we need. You have the right to enter and to step into the presence of the God who created you and get all the help you need right here and now. You have every right in the name of Jesus to say, Lord, I can't make it through this storm or make it out the belly of this circumstance all by myself, but I call upon the God who can and and will deliver me in Jesus' name. Jesus is saying, you don't have to get yourself right before you come into my presence. You come into my presence so that I, by the power of my Holy Spirit, can make you right. So I can fix some things in your life. So I can heal you where you need healed and deliver you where you need delivered. He's an unrelenting God. He's not the God of chaos. Let me, let me show you back in the book of Genesis again. We, start, we went to Genesis last week. I want to go back to Genesis again because I want you to see how God brings order where there is chaos. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. And that describes all of us before Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're, you're, you're unfulfilled. You're, you're restless. You're empty. You're unforgiven. And that's a problem. The earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. He's still separating light from darkness, church. That's why we're in the world, not of the world. That's why we're not called to look like the world. We're called to look like Jesus. That's why we're not called to follow the way of the crowd. We're called to follow Jesus. 
Jesus, when he tells us to follow him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he's not being trying to be harsh. He's just being specific. He just wants you to know, I am the way. I want you to know me. Everywhere there is chaos, God brings order. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters. Let the land produce. Let there be lights in the sky. Let the water team with living creatures. Let the land produce. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And God created man. This is the God that we call to. This is the God that we wrongly think so often in life, well, I guess he's just got to be my last resort. He's not the last resort. He's the best resort. This is who we pray to. Jonah said, you, you hurled me into the deep. Lord, I didn't like that. Even though it was some people who hurled him into the deep, but he's recognizing even God's sovereignty in the midst of his situation. He's recognizing that God is an unrelenting God, that he causes storms not to sink people, but to save people. And, and he, he, he's unrelenting in his pursuit of you. And it's not because he's, he's, he's arrogant and it's not because like, like he just has to be known. It's, it's because he knows that without him, you're going to die. You'll live your life separated from him forever. It's because he loves you. It's because he knows that life this side of heaven is short and we don't have all the time in the world to, to be saved, forgiven, set free. And so he pursues you. He'll send a storm or two. If he ain't got your attention with the storm or two, he'll send, he'll send three more. He'll keep on sending them. Because he wants you to know him. He wants your sins to be forgiven. It's why he sent Jesus to forgive us, to set us free. It's why we've got access to the Holy Spirit of God. So what do I do when I'm in the midst of a storm? Here's the first thing. I remember God. I remember that apart from you, I'm nothing. I remember that it's you who stand above all things. Jonah said, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. Now, some of you, what you can remember is how God's been faithful to you. What you can remember is some of the good things God's done in your life. But there are people here right now, you say, I don't know if I can remember anything God's ever done good in my life. I, I don't know that I've ever seen God move in my life. Can I just say to you, if that's, if that's you, just because you've not seen him work or recognized his work doesn't mean he's not been at work in your life. That's the first thing. Second thing is, open the Bible and start to read how God was at work in the lives of those mentioned in the Scripture. Third thing is, maybe you could talk to somebody who's here today. Ask the person next to you after church how God's been at work in their life. Borrow some faith from a friend for a moment if you have to. You're next. I've not seen God at work yet in my life. How's he worked in your life? Really? What, 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 what's the New Testament look like? Are you serious? If you've not seen him at work in your life yet, I just want you to know you're next. He's been at work. He's still at work. And he's unrelenting when it comes to his work. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He's not that hard to find. 
We're in his presence right now. And there's something inside of you that knows we're in his presence. You, you can't be in the presence of your maker and remain indifferent. You can try your best to ignore him, but you know he's here. You can try your best to shut down the work of his Holy Spirit, but, but that work is happening in your life right now. He, he's wooing you. He's drawing you. He's speaking to you. He's pursuing you. Why? Because he loves you. See, when I'm in a storm, I, I need to remember that there is a God that I serve who, who can pull me out of any storm. He can calm any storm. He's bigger than any circumstance that I can face this side of heaven. And then I get to not just remember him, but renew my commitment to follow him. For some of you, it's time to renew your faith. Renew your commitment to follow Jesus. Jonah said, what I have vowed to you, Lord, I will make good. What's he saying is, Lord, now that I've seen the inside of the belly of a whale, you ain't going to have to ask me twice again. What I vowed to you, that moment when I encountered you and I gave my life to you and, and I was real on fire for a moment and then, then life happened and I, I started hanging out with some wrong people and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a shared thing within my marriage. And, and so I kind of just, I, I, I fizzled out. I was real passionate about you. I, I was really in love with you, Lord, but, but that was then. Here's now. And it's time to renew your commitment to follow. I'm going to give you some simple things that you can do if, if you're in a place where you might feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now. The first is, if you really want to walk this out, is surround yourself with some Christian family. It's not in your notes, but you can, you can just take, take notes if you'd like, but, but surround yourself with some Christian family. You, this isn't a, a, just a, a, an event. This isn't a community club. It's a family. And some of you, you're a part of the family, but you're not reaping the benefits of the family because you come alone, you leave alone, you've not been through growth track, you're not connected to a small group. You need to engage the family. Be a part of a small group. Surround yourself with some people who, when, when it hits the fan in your life and you're drowning and you're in the midst of a storm and the waters are, are over your head, there's somebody who's a part of your family that jumps in after you and they know there's somebody else in the family who's on the boat that's got a lifeline who's going to throw it out so both of you can take hold of that together. You need to engage the family. Stop trying to live this thing out all by yourself. Stop trying to, to work out all the issues of your life all by yourself. Join a small group. Read the Bible. You can't follow a word you've never read. You, you, can't, you can't speak the promise of God over your life that, that you don't even know is there. God's got a word for you. Read his word. Speak his word. Pray. Talk to the Lord. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him what you need. Remember who it is you're praying to. Salvation comes. This is what Jonah says. Salvation comes from the Lord. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Another translation says, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. 
What Jonah is saying is when you, when you try to hold on to anything, if it's not Jesus, that thing will not fulfill you. Your friends will not fulfill you the way Jesus can. Relationships won't fulfill you the way Jesus can. Money won't fulfill you the way Jesus can. Your small group can't save you. Your church can't save you. Giving money to the church can't save you. Making money can't save you. Being good, doing good can't save you. Salvation comes from the Lord. Come on, somebody. Salvation comes from the Lord. We're living in a runaway, quickly sinking generation. And every time we cling to what this world has to offer, it's like trying to stay afloat but, but strapping a weight to your ankle. Every time we trust our own heart more than we trust the word of God, it's like strapping several weights to your ankle or around your waist and you, you think that you can keep on Staying afloat, you can't keep on staying afloat. You hold on to what this world has to offer, you're going to end up sinking in this world. But when you hold on to Jesus, come on, you get to walk on top of the seas with Jesus. Don't forget where your help comes from, where your hope comes from. Jonah said, I was good as dead, I, I was good as dawn, gone, I, I was in the depth of the grave. Nobody comes back from that. But with Jesus, even when it's over, it's not over. Come on, I said, church, when, with Jesus, even when it's over, it's not over. <laughs> no coming out of the belly of a fish. Reminds me of somebody else we know. Jesus on the cross, everybody thinks it's over. He's like, hold my Dr. Pepper. I'm about to do something really cool right now. He tells the disciples what's going to happen. But when they see him breathe his last breath, they lose their faith. They fail. They flee. They run from him. They're afraid. But Jesus is like, didn't I tell you nobody's taking my life? I'm giving my life. There's a big difference. Jesus is placed inside the belly of a grave three days. Isn't this a, an amazing picture of Jesus, what he's done for us? Nobody ought, ought to be able to come back from, from this. That's why they put a spear in Jesus' side, just to make sure that this man will not come back from this. But, but even when it's over with Jesus, it's not over. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what storm you're in. Some of you, it's not a storm. It's the worst case. You, you've been living your life inside the belly of a whale. Here's what I want us to do. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, and all the note takers that your heart just started to race. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's, it's your, your OCD because you, you need that, that, that last fill-in. Oh, I just felt something. No, it's just it's your anxiety. Just tell it to be quiet. I'm going to give you that blank in a minute. Shut your eyes. Close them every campus right now. I'm, I'm just wondering how many of you here today would say, Pastor Chad, everything you've talked about today, it's me. I can't see any help for me. I can't see any hope for me. I don't see healing. I don't see freedom. I don't see restoration. All I see 
is the inside of the belly of a fish. And it stinks. You say, I need some, I need some help today. I need some hope today. I need Jesus to do a work in my life. If it's a miracle, if it's restoration, if it's giving you a second chance, he's the God of second chances, I'm telling you, and third and fourth and fifth. I, I just want you to raise your hand all across the room at every location. If you say, I just, just pray for me. Because I'm, I'm in it right now. Pray for me. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Just, I need some help. I need some hope right now. I feel like Jonah in the belly of a fish. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down once you've lifted them. Thank you. I wonder if there's anybody in the house who say, That word I felt the Lord gave me for this church when I said I want to speak prophetically to some people there's a prayer that's about to reemerge for some of you there's a prayer that's going to emerge for the first time you've given up on praying you've given up on God you've given up on the fact that he is your help he is your hope but but you sense in your heart the Holy Spirit of God welling up inside of you and you'd say Pastor Chad that's me there's a prayer that's emerging there's a prayer that's re-emerging I, I'm ready to reconnect with my father come on lift your hands all over the place I'm ready to speak some things that I've not spoken in a long time I'm, I'm ready to talk to him again and to trust him again and to start and to start sending my prayers up to the throne room of heaven knowing that he hears me and he's able and willing and ready to meet me where I'm at. Come on, every, every hand up if that's you. All across the room, thank you. Thank you. And last, I, I want to say this. If, if you're here and you'd say, okay, here's where I'm at. I'm the person that you've been talking to who's never fully committed myself to Jesus. I don't know that I've been forgiven. The Bible tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And so this might be your first time. Maybe you've wandered from him since the first time, and, and it's time to recommit, reconnect with him. I'm, I'm recommitting. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. I, I just wonder how many of you would say, you know what, when we pray right now together, I want you to include me in this prayer. Come on, lift your hands and say, I, I need Jesus if that's you. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Would you begin to talk to him right where you're at? Before I pray with you, just, just I want you to begin to tell him what it is you need. I want you to tell him what the inside of that fish feels like for you right now. I, I want you to tell him what lifeline you need him to throw your way. Just tell him. God, here's what I need in my marriage. Here's what I need in my body. I know you know this, but I know you like to hear from me. So God, here's what I'm asking you for. Be specific. Name some names if you have to. God, here's some sin that I've been living with. Here, here's the way my heart has felt. And, and now, Lord, I, just, I, I need to call upon you. Begin to call upon him. If you don't know what else to pray, can I just encourage you to pray the name of Jesus. Just say his name. Jesus, 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 I need you, I want you, would you forgive me, would you heal me, would you bring freedom into my life, would you give me wisdom, Would you be my, my help right now?
cleanse me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Y'all want to know what that last blank's all about? I remember you. I renew my commitment to follow you. And now I refocus in worship to you. I refocus. Write down that word, and then when you've written it down, stand up on your feet. Every location, come on, would you stand up on your feet? I want to encourage you right now. Don't walk out. We're not done yet. Some of you just called upon him because you needed some help, but now it's time to reshift your focus away from that thing that you just prayed for and on to the God who holds the keys of your life in his hands. Come on, our God of peace, our God of hope, our God of restoration. Come on, our God who is mighty to save, our God who is more than able to do immeasurably more than anything that we could ever ask or imagine. Come on, could you begin to lift your hands and worship him, lift your voice and worship him.
church, can we make some noise for Jesus today? Come on. Come on, could you lift up the name of Jesus right now? today. Come on, who, who needed to be lifted up by the Lord today? I believe God's going to do some great things in your life. I really do. I said this first service, I'm going to say it again. I, I believe that, that somebody's going to receive a phone call this week from somebody that you've been praying for. And when it happens, I need you to tell me about it you've been praying for and God's going to put somebody in their path you thought you'd be the one to lead them back your prayers are leading them back but God's putting somebody in their path and they're going to speak the name of Jesus over that person you're going to get a call this week and it's going to be them saying I'm coming home I'm coming home And when that person comes home, I don't know if it's a son or a daughter or a mom, a dad, a grandparent. When that person comes home, listen, don't, don't tell them I told you so. Don't talk about the mess that they got themselves into. Just do what the, son of the, the father of the prodigal son did. Just throw a party for them. Take them out to the best dinner they've ever had. Come on. Let him feel the grace and love of Jesus through you. I believe that's going to happen. I want you when it does. I want, I want to hear about what God does, the miracles that he's about to unleash in your life. Would you go ahead and have a seat? We're not quite done yet. We're going to honor God with our giving today and, and worship. But, but we're also going to hear from some pastors that we support in Bangladesh. And Pastor Nate, who oversees our global missions, he's, he's, you're going to see him on the screen right now. God's doing a great work overseas. And we're a part of, we're a part of fully funding so many missionaries and pastors and, and, and mostly the 1040 window, which is the most unreached people part of the world. And uh, I want you to see how your giving is making a difference. So take a look. <laughs> 